0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Leadership in Construction podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and today I'm joined by the inspirational Jesse Gomez. And today we're going to be talking about health and safety in the construction industry and all things diversity and inclusion. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you. <laughs> thank you for having me.
0: And it's, an, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, so, what I'd like to do, first of all, as, as I do with every podcast, is just to get to know you a bit more, a bit behind your background and how you got in construction. So, could you give us a bit of a, a summary of how you managed to get into construction and then what led to where you are today?
1: Yes, of course. So uh, initially I'd like to share that construction has been something. I kind of grew up with, because my dad worked uh, in construction. Uh, He was uh, working as a laborer for years, uh, doing concrete uh, flooring uh, in all the surfaces you have uh, around the site. So I could see him at home doing this really uh, extensive physical uh, work. So it's something I grew up with. And uh, it's not really something I wanted to do initially, But I did my study in um, quality and health and safety management. And uh, when I was about, (laughs) if I give it up, 24 years old, I arrived uh, in London uh, and I was looking for my first job. I wasn't intended to go into construction, but uh, I feel like um, construction liked my profile. So I got my first job as an assistant uh, CDM uh, advisor, which is a construction Design management. Uh, so this is how I get into get my first uh, work in a consultancy uh, company, and uh, from there I never really stopped, and uh, uh, until now, even though today I do slightly different things, but I'm still really, really uh, present into the construction field. Yes, it's
0: brilliant. Um, so you're very much on the health and safety um cdm advisor type role just explain to those that might not be 100 aware what what is cdm and, and and what is your sort of role inside of that field
1: so when i started initially initially i mean before uh, a construction design uh, management advisor we used to have this planning supervisor role, which is like really, really old. And when I came in, I was just uh, started with the CDM uh, regulation, um, and it was um, an advisor role. So it's all about advising clients, designers, uh, all the design team about uh, what are the main component of safety and all the choices they are making. Uh, It could be cost, it could be uh, material, it could be uh, uh, the way of building and the sequencing, and you could also be thinking about once your building is ready, how you're gonna think about uh, usability and uh, but also um, demantling this building as well. So it's really looking at the full cycle. So you look at the design, you look at the construction, you look at uh, the operation of the building, but you also look at how you're gonna uh, uh, um, dismantle that building too. And what is the design philosophy behind? I think this is something, uh, when I was working as a CDM uh, advisor, because I'm not doing it anymore actively, I was like really keen to understand what is the philosophy behind the design, because then when you come back in 15 or 20 years ago, you could you could read back and say, okay, this is, has been thought in this way because, uh, Uh, we needed to do it this way. And and all is documented. So I think it's crucial to know where you stand when you design and you take any decisions. So uh, this is my perspective. And this is how I I deliver mainly uh, CDM. And I think I had a bit of, um, I won't say a different style, but I think uh, you have the old-fashioned CDM advisor who was working as a planning supervisor before who will bring old beliefs with them. But when I started to work, I was I, I literally learn English with the CDM regulation. So um, I, I knew I knew all uh, the regulation by heart. I don't know it anymore. <laughs> that's
0: right. Yeah. And I think um, what I like about that is, is I, I see it very much from a designer's perspective, because that's the sort of field that I am in. Um, and Um, what I try and explain to the the team that I work with, no matter how small of their role, if you're inputting into the design, you're making some decisions. You have a duty of care to ensure what you're building is safe to construct, safe to use, and safe to to dismantle. Um, And then when you start talking on that terms with people, they start to realise there's a bit more responsibility on their shoulders um, that they have to carry. Um, So... Yes, yeah, I,
1: was, I think I do agree on that. Yeah, because some of the people take decision and they think that it, it, they're not having any liability, and this is when mistakes occur. It's because any even cost decision, material decision, you take a decision, you have influence onto the design, so yeah. you have liability in terms of health and safety. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and you know, I should say that you know, so it could be the quantity surveyor making yes. a material change, for example. Um, and I think to, to the Wembley Stadium, there's that big arch around Wembley Stadium, I think it was a quantity surveyor that that proposed the arch. Um, and if, so it does show that there's all, doesn't matter what your role is in construction, if you input into a change of material or selection or decision process that inputs into the design, it very much, um, you have to carry some responsibility for that, that health and safety aspect of it. Um, and, um, yeah, that's something that I talk a lot about with my team. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, do, I do agree with that. Yeah, mm. And it's also why the CDM t- took a, another turn in 2015. Uh, they wanted to empower uh, and uh, get really uh, the clients to be the lead into design decision by, um, by appointing themselves the CDM, yes. by being really embedded into, into the team being bended into where the decision are taken are taken from the start, and this is the more important things because when you have people who doesn't work together, uh, uh, it's where it's becoming problematic. When you have this add-on person, which is a CDM advisor, yeah. Uh, I mean, before 2015, I think people were really thinking of a, a CDM advisor like a burden. It's mm-hmm. a new to add-on; they were not seeing any values, and. We the 2015 regulation, you had to have them because it was part of the client duty. You had to have this principal designer, they change the name, to sit down and be embedded into, into the decision from the start. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely key because on most projects, um, when there's a decision to be made where it might be material or a cost saving or something like that, it ultimately may come down to the client to help make those sort of decisions. And whilst we might take, talk about lead-in times and program impacts and cost and quality, uh, very infrequently do we actually sit down and think about the sort of health and safety side of this in terms of cleaning. the risk.
1: Clean, cleaning is a simple one. Yeah. Think about the the windows that you're going to put three or four uh, meters away from the ground and how how are we going to clean it?
0: Yeah.
1: Is the operability around that? Is it safe? How many times a year do we have to do that? Roof. What do we have on top of our roof? Do we need parapets? Do we really need to install any equipment on the roof? Because then you have to think about someone has to go there. Yeah. Some have to. Operate some tool up there on a the roof, so maybe you can put some equipment on the ground. You know, mm. now you'll see it often. The the roof are not used to 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 add any piece of equipment part of the building. Um, so and if you do, you have to think through everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and how much of a leading? Because how I think it, from a designer's perspective, I try and take a leading role in a, in in leading my clients through that health and safety process, that that CDM risk assessment process, you know, mm-hmm. it might seemingly be on the smallest of items, but the small decisions, sometimes the ones that have impact. How much do you think um, or how, how much can you, in your experience, do you see that um, clients take a lead on that or designers need to take more of a lead on it? Uh, I've
1: seen towards the end of working as a CDM advisor, I could see designer really taking the lead. Uh, Before we transitioned to the CDM 2015, I thought that designer had really embraced to have CDM included into their duties and and doing it really well by including um, the CDM advisor into uh, all the um, uh, communication going around, doing the risk assessment, trying to embed uh, a a review by uh, by the CDM advisor. And then I also saw the switch when the client becomes the one appointed the principal designer, and I've seen them doing it really well as well, and taking the lead into into uh, adding, uh, uh, making sure that everybody was like uh, fulfilling their their duty accordingly. So I've seen I've seen progression uh, because I've been doing that for eleven years and. Uh, we're going to say nine years as CDM uh, advisor so I've seen it progressing and I've seen how people get on and t- taking CDM more seriously mm. from to client and definitely yeah. I, 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 I saw it
0: yeah mm. I think that CDM 2015 regulations was pinnacle because certainly up until then it always seemed like someone else's responsibility it was a CDM coordinator's responsibility and not the designers and as soon as it became the designers um duties um i think that's quite important um and and Mm -hmm. one of the things i think if 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 you're a contractor or a designer or a client if you do nothing else with the cdm regulations it's you can download it from HSE. just go and read what your duties are and it's not huge amounts Mm -hmm. i was going to say there's not a lot of paragraphs but just understand what your duties are
1: yeah and it's something that you have to check as a client you need to check that you have a competent team as well and uh, happy to deliver effectively cdm so you have to check uh, your designer and your contractor uh uh, competencies this is one of the key requirements of cdm it's also competence do you have the competence do you have the resource do you risk assess uh, uh, and do you communicate effectively yeah this is, this is for me, the main uh, important thing very
0: fundamental. Um, so what are sort of things you're doing today then?
1: Uh, so today I work for uh, a university, University College London and I'm a technical safety uh, lead for one of their um, uh, one of the schools, the Bartlett School of the Build environment and it's across it's a consortium of uh, departments. And uh, look after the staff and the students. <laughs>
0: and and so, how does your how does your experience of construction sort of play into that today?
1: So on site, we have all sort of equipment. So we have like equipment who could be it could, big equipment as you could find in construction site, and we have a really uh, talented academic working with robots, arms, for example, drones. I have a surgical lab as well within that same roof um I've got also students doing 3D printing we have like all sort of risk I would say and all sorts of uh, activities going on on this roof and it's just like make me think like this is could be the same activity you find sometime on a construction site so for me it's just like it, it's not less risk being under the roof it's quite overwhelming for me to have all this activity going on all together but it's all about trying to get this community to work together as well so it's really i I use all my skills from from the year working as as a a construction um, health and safety and cdm uh, advisor so so
0: so you, you say at the moment you're sort of taking the lead around those health and safety elements and and your experience of the construction industry and, and certainly around CDM has, has played a massive part in Yeah that.
1: and Yeah we do have also a, a bridge testing rig inside of the building so this is a type of infrastructure that some people never see in their entire life and I do work under one roof where where we have that we crush specimens and we try to determine how do they behave under certain type of load we also have environmental chamber where we put bricks and we try to, to see what is a, a different uh, environmental condition to see how can a wall uh, um, behave. So it's really uh, it's really related to the new technology coming tomorrow in construction. So I'm really excited about this because there are also robotics. And this is the, the things I'm learning a lot. It's about robotics and it's probably... It's the robotics of the future of coming in into into construction sites. So it's really exciting to see wow. that there are probably some, um, some some operations that you won't need a physical labor to do, and you could uh, um, make it easier uh, for people and, and reduce risk uh, of harms as well. So it's really exciting to 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 be in the middle of like a research basically. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and what's the attitude in terms of the take up of health and safety procedures and and, and precautions and risk assessments in university Um, versus what it was like in the construction sector?
1: To be honest, (laughs) it's not different. Yeah. Health and safety stay health and safety. When you come with your hat, people seem like really, oh, my God, you know, it's a a health and safety uh, manager coming around. So I think in all the environmental work, people have the same attitude when it comes to safety. They are really on their guard, and they are not really sure if they can trust me. This is a main issue. There are a lot of trust issues. There are a lot of uh, um, information uh, retained. Uh, There are a lot of um, communication issues, as well as I'm I'm trying to to build this safety culture. It's an issue that also we have in construction. It stays the same. Component, it's not different. It's all about building uh, this new way of working and collaborative working and having people working together and and knowing what your neighbor is doing. Because when you're in a site and you are building a wall from one side and you have other labor doing something else in the other side, it's exactly the same uh, component I have here. I have to make sure that people communicate effectively when they have, the, when they're having activities going on within the same
0: roof. Yeah. So it it, it sounds very much about, as you say, the the, the, the challenge that we face is is around com- communication uh, or effective communication. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and um, and trust issues is the thing that you brought up as well around having trust. Do you think there's, there's do you think there's a reason why there is such a trust issue?
1: I think when I arrived on my new role, I didn't want it to use the word safety. Mm -hmm. If I could invent a new word to say what I do, I would have done it. But unfortunately, (laughs) I'm not really good with English because I I, I couldn't find myself a job title that will resonate more with my mission rather than what people think of my role. And I think that the word safety was quite not really uh, giving justice to what I had to do, because I knew people will be really scared of having to deal with me, just because I had this word safety on my title. Yeah. And um, now it's too late, I'm using it. But uh, <laughs> again, and it took me a few weeks to say to my boss, okay, all done. I want to think about how I want to be called here, because I just didn't want it to get people to scare off. Mm. But uh, Got scared, anyway, <laughs>
0: <laughs> So you could say keeping you alive, officer, or keeping you alive. Yes,
1: and I think we need to come up with something, but ditch the word safety because um, it's just bringing this connotation. And people, mm. like me, I, I always say, I think you just got a badge reputation. It's just something historical and the legacy of of what is a health and safety. Uh, uh, officer or advisor and I always say to people I'm not here to police you mm. I'm here to help you I'm here to support I'm here to collaborate I'm here to make your life easier and ultimately um, yeah. they, they see the, the legal thing, side of things yeah yeah
0: and, and there is all that legislation and policy side of things as well but in a very real way, just to help focus the mind of people watching or listening to this, in when I last checked the figures earlier this year, in 2020, the construction industry um, took over two thirds of a pie chart, which was the number of fatalities within industry. So construction are leading the way in number of fatalities within our sector. So, you know, it's a manufacturing and all those other industries are much better at health and safety than, than ourselves. Um, and, and really, I don't think that's good enough. And I think we really, you know, we shouldn't be groaning at the, at the, at the thought of having to do more health and safety training. I'm going through a whole suite of refresher. Health and safety training is currently in my own organisation, and it just helps to remind you the things that you should be doing and, and, and not get complacent around it. Particularly as a designer, I've got mm-hmm. to constantly put that into my role. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, as I say, to help focus the mind, that's why we do it. That's why you do your role, and that's why mm. designers and contractors need to um, talk more effectively. Is because the, the number of fatalities in construction is still so very high.
1: Um, yeah, and I think it, it, it went, it decreased a bit, but it's just it's really slow. It's been stagnant. If you look at the at the latest HSE uh, figure. And it's just not, you don't have like the big steep where you see progress. It's really slow. And, um, and and I think there are a lot of things still to be done. Progress are done, but it's not fast enough. So we need to we need to to, to rethink. And construction is really old uh, industries and with old ways and yes. we Old people <laughs> <laughs> with dinosaurs staying there and doing, keeping the way, the same way, going and perpetrating certain type of behavior. So, yeah. I just can't wait for new blood to come. And with the labor shortage, there's an opportunity to get new faces, new blood, new ideas, and changes basically.
0: Yeah, I mean. Just to give some experience, when I've been on site, especially in the early days of my career, um, you know, you would just go with whatever you were told to do by superiors and people that have been doing it for decades and decades before you, whether it be health, uh, whether it be safe or not, because you're sort of too. Well, I certainly was too naive to it all. And I look back at some of the things that I used to do on site and think that was so unsafe. You know, never let anybody that I work with now ever do that ever. That would just be totally irresponsible. Um, so you know, I think it it does take a special sort of someone to be able to sort of um, be firm when you don't, when you see something potentially being done unsafe, not give in to this. Oh, we've always done it. Don't be so ridiculous, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really interesting what you say here because um, one of the latest um, statistic from uh, the government, um, they did a report. Uh, on um, industrial strategy reports. You can find it online and it, it's part of the construction deal. So basically they said that 30 to 40% of, uh, of graduates uh, do not join the construction industry um, after six months after finishing the study. And this is probably due to a really poor experience. They probably deep in They went there and then they probably had like an awful experience that they say, I will never be back. So this is the latest figure. And I was like, I was really shocked, you know, because I've been asked to come to university to speak about working in construction, to make these young people dream. And I had to be honest with with, with the academics. I said, I'm happy to come and speak about my experience, but I'm not going to sugarcoat the reality of working in construction i love it that's why i'm still here Mm -hmm. and i can say that i love construction but construction do do not love me back does not love me back and when i say construction i think it's more the demography around construction i do not look the part, and i do not sound the part so it's really difficult for someone like me like me to come up and speak because i always had people throwing up at me that I've got 40 years experience, and I will always feel diminished because I didn't. I was 24 the first time I come on site. I had, uh, I couldn't speak English properly. Uh, I was really shy. It, I mean, I should have, have everything put off to never come back again. But you know, some people are more resilient, some are, are not, some trying really hard. And I left my country to come here and to try to do something else with my life. So. I didn't have really much choice to keep a job I had, you know? Uh, and it was in 2011, 2012. It wasn't like the best time of looking for a job at that time because I left France because of recession. And, uh, and I came here. And I, and I mean, UK was like a place that you can do any jobs. So I was ready to do anything, but I was also ready to study, to, to, to find a job on my area of studies even though I wasn't speaking English. So I think people need to be careful, principally the um, people more mature and with more experience inside. The way you talk to a young person, coming mm. in, don't come and make it look like you are the one who knows everything and, and the young person know nothing about construction. They are here to learn. And um, I was really willing to learn um uh, things and I was asking question and and I was there so if you have I mean the new generation is really different they're just they're just not the same so (laughs) they will probably they will just come one day and leave the other day that's it
0: absolutely yeah I think the construction industry has a real challenge uh for attracting Mm -hmm. um new young professionals into the industry um Mm -hmm. given that i think coding and working for a social media company is probably a bit more sexy than working for a construction
1: of course i, I always say that construction is not glamorous at all <laughs> it is just i think we need to do some branding here i think you're right branding to do i don't know who's going to do it i think it's the government is the best place to kind of um leads the way and uh, and pushing organization in construction to, to be more appealing, you know. And you're not appealing when your full board is white, male, middle-aged, playing golf on a Sunday. Absolutely. I just play golf on Sunday, you know. So young people do not play golf on yes. Sunday. Play golf is good for you, but but the majority they, they won't do this type of activity they want just that it's not going to be relatable, you know. They know that look like me. They know ones that uh, uh, get to the top, who look like me. So why would I work in the type of construction that I don't have any chance, basically? I'm not gonna get uh, uh, any promotion for the next five years. People are not gonna see me. I'm not gonna be visible. Yeah, I think they really have to rethink and give chance to, to, to everyone. And when I speak everyone, I'm not speaking only from a, an ethnicity perspective. Uh, um, even though I could speak about that because I, I'm a, a part of the minority ethnic, I'm also a woman, uh, I'm a mother, but it also, uh, uh, I, I don't see uh, people with disabilities, even though you have different various types of disability and some that you see and some that you don't see. But for example, for mobility reduced people, I just don't see them on site. Mm. I don't even see them in the office. Uh, for five years working for this uh, contractor, and I say, I've never seen someone on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a wheelchair. And I was like asking, where are these people, you know? Where are they? Mm-hmm. If you know any of them, I'm quite interested to know their experience of the construction industry because uh, I just, uh, just can't see them. Yeah,
0: yeah quite. And, uh, not just on the construction side, but even in a design office, it's, it's quite... Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. Quite uncommon.
0: Um, so just sort of to bring into that, uh, other topic of conversation we're going to have around diversity and inclusion um you you, you talk there obviously that you're, you're being a, a woman in construction uh and also from a my, minority background um and and I think the sad case is particularly for women and this isn't just the construction industry I don't want to just hate on the construction industry because I like, yeah, yes, yeah. I've got a big passion for the construction industry if I didn't I wouldn't be doing this podcast Mm -hmm. But I do see it in other sectors as well. Um, But I think, you know, being a passionate advocate for the construction industry, I know that we can do better. But I see it quite often, Um, you know, the the difficulties, the challenges that women in construction go through. And a lot of it, I can see, stems from visibility and having seen role models in the construction industry to sort of live up to. Has that been your experience?
1: Yeah, um, yes, exactly. Um, when I started working, I couldn't see, it's not about people who look like me. It's, well, this is one uh, portion, but it's also women at the top leadership level. You just can't see them. You have to go really, you have to do really your research. And I'm quite, I'm quite good to connect with people and, 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 to to do um, networking, but I couldn't see uh, those women. I couldn't see those diverse uh, person, uh, 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 minority ethnic, or um, person with uh, disabilities uh, up there. So um, one day decided to be one person who doesn't look the part, and and to be visible and and to shine and to be there and to be loud as well because. Uh, the issue, it's like, I think there, there are a lot of women. We we are there. But, but they, we're not a majority in construction. We're about 10 to 15%. It's what they say at the moment. And um, and out of this woman, you probably have uh, heard those 1% working on site. Think wow. about it. The rest are probably cleaner, administrator, or women working in the offices, you know. So you have like a real question to ask yourself. It's like you need to change um, the visibility of your board, the visibility of the senior leadership team, make people who um, are different bring new ideas. And I must say it's really difficult. And I tried really, really hard to break through. And I think, unfortunately, the glass ceiling does exist. It does exist. And apparently it's a concrete ceiling when you're a black woman. It's right. even... So think about it. You think you can get through the glass ceiling and then you, you have to go through a concrete. Mm. I don't... I just... I'm not equipped to go through concrete yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well, that's the thing that I don't think anybody is, is there? That, that and, and that's just what Unless... we come on to. It's like why... Do we, uh, those blockers must be put in S- specifically in some
1: areas yes of course and and plus um you need a mentorship you need um allies you need uh, someone who's gonna sponsor you mm. if you don't have this type of people around you within the organization you're just going nowhere mm. i mean I did a leadership program uh, a few years ago this type of program is supposed to help you to catapult your career to go forward it just didn't it just didn't and it's not because i didn't try hard enough it's just because the organization wasn't ready to 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 see to to, to see people who look like me to to be uh, to be to, to be in front or, or on the forefront mm. and have ideas and uh, and opinions so um so when i left yeah
0: and i just sort of curiosity really from your experience how much do you think that is intentional? Think how much of that is unconscious? Because I think a lot of it and I think I wonder whether that people are people are really aware of their actions that impact on particularly women in construction, but also uh minority in construction as well.
1: I think this is a really, really good question because for years I I wasn't believing into unconscious biasing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an excuse to allow people to be biased, you know. You said, I'm unconscious, I just don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, and, and for years, I thought that this was an excuse to allow people who um, recruit people who look like them, that they call mirrorocracy. I heard this word um, in, in one of a study uh, published by the London School of Economics. Uh, so it's, it's manager who recruit people who look like them. So you recruit a mirror and it's all about mirror If you don't look like your manager, you just don't have chances to, to go forward. And unfortunately, I had to pay the price. I, I did it. I've seen this. And I remember before I left for um, maternity leave on my last day, I had to confront one of my clients because... I felt his behavior and I all did for nine months while I was pregnant. Picking up on to behavior was like really strange to the point that I was, I became, I developed anxiety while pregnant and I just keep it for myself. I never say anything. And on the the last day, I thought that I had to discharge myself. I thought that if I don't say to him what was going through, I couldn't give birth normally. (laughs) So I did say it was my last day. And I said to him, you know, You made me feel really uncomfortable for all these months. You were talking over me on meeting. You were really, um, really, um, how can I say? I mean, I didn't say the word at the time because I didn't know it was uh, bullying at the time or harassment. I just did say what I thought his behavior was. And he looked at me in the eyes. And I think he was genuine. He said that he, he, he didn't know that he was making me feel that way. Because the things is like, in the construction industry, they all do things in the same way. It's all systematic. It's a culture. It's all nurture. nurture. So people think that what they do is normal. And until a woman stepped up, a woman or a man, you know, said to him, hold on one second, what you're doing is not right. You know, they, they just don't mm-hmm. know it. And this is when I realized that sometimes people do things that they just don't realize I know. Yeah. I would have hoped I will never had to do that and I think it I, I think I would have um, be happy with myself saying he did it in purpose. he wanted to hurt me. but in that case precisely, I thought it was genuine when he said he really didn't realize that he was behaving that way with me. but the thing is that the damage was done mm. and then after I had a child and then all this anxiety repercussion, come up after birth as well. And the behavior didn't become better after I come back from my game. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of escalate escalate. So I think everybody has to check in with
0: themselves.
1: Yeah. Hey, am I, am I right here? Hmm. Is it weird what am I doing? Is it right? Or you can ask someone, is it okay what I'm doing now? Am I am I out of the way? Am I am I recruiting people who just look like me? Did I say something who might have, um, who have I been taken in a bad way because she's a mother, or because she's black, or because uh, 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 she's a woman? You know, it mm. could be type of behavior who could trigger some people. So, have a traumatic experience when you have to come in a new workplace, and this is what's happened to me. Often you heal and sometimes you have to heal in your new workplace and you got triggered with certain behavior and you're like, oh my God, this is happening again. Mm. And you have to be really clear with the person and say, hold on one second. You you have to be really honest with people and say, I, I won't accept this type of behavior. And I think now I'm much, much stronger. I'm definitely another woman.
0: Mm. I mean, it sounds it sounds like you've taken a, an experience that was negative. And turned it into a positive. You've definitely grown in terms of how yes. you touch that actually. because I can see sort of two common themes in that story that you've, you've you've referred to, which is not having that open environment and safe space to talk to that person uh, at the time it was happening in order to to um, work on that during that um, pregnancy period, and so it came all out at the end. Um, and, and I think leaders a pinnacle in creating those environments in which you can feel safe. And and the other theme, which we'll, comes back to looking at yourself and feedback is being self-aware. If you can't mm-hmm. realize that you're doing these things to someone else, making someone else feel this way, that you, you're not as self-aware and, and you need to be, as a leader, you need to be self-aware and accepting of feedback in order for your own progression and to to build a team so Mm -hmm. it sounds very much like the 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 person you're describing um wasn't creating those environments and wasn't accepting of feedback um and and listening to feedback is all about listening to grow and not listening to just respond to to try and make the other person feel better because without growing yourself you're Mm -hmm. not making that other person feel better you're just you're just listening, and nothing's actually happening. Action afterwards, I think, is absolutely important. And so, yeah, by the I sounds, it's
1: really of it now, crucial. Mm. Yeah,
0: and by the sounds of it now, um, you're certainly more stronger from that experience, and you, you you tend you tend to intervene sooner, so you don't fall into. Of it.
1: course, and I even I'm really tuning to other people as well. I look at behaviors, and I observe, and and I had to be really honest with my new manager telling him that I won't accept certain type of behavior and I'm really uh, really aware uh, of things around me. unfortunately it's part, it's part of the trauma. when you've been trauma you, you went through a workplace trauma, uh, you, you have to do the, the work otherwise you just stay into this state where you depress, you're hopeless, you're worthless and, and and you don't say, you don't see this the end of the tunnel. And I've been there. I didn't know how I will come up. To, on the other side, I thought I will never work in construction again. And, and I'm, I think I'm taking a break now <laughs> of the construction while I'm, I'm building myself stronger because once I'll be back, I mean, I will never accept any type of behavior like this. I, I'm just like, I, I think I'm re equipping myself. And what you said earlier, it's called post-traumatic growth, actually. It's got a name, you know, mm. when you a a, a trauma and then you grow from from it so um i'm still learning i'm still working on it but uh i definitely i want to teach now i want to inspire women i want to inspire men as well to 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 be more self-aware as you mentioned earlier Yeah,
0: certainly doing that for sure and i think (laughs) i I think that's definitely the the sort of i can see that you're becoming more self-aware and, and 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 knowing what you and I think that's important. You've got to understand what you will accept and what you won't accept. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there is a way in which you approach that with people. Because if you approach it in a conflicting manner, you get conflict mm-hmm. back. Um, yes. But certainly, the whole every, all leaders and and particularly in in the area that we're talking in the construction industry, self awareness. We could all be a bit more self aware. Yes, definitely. I think
1: it's so. yeah. so, something important.
0: Absolutely. Um, so we're, we're coming towards the end of this podcast today. So before I ask the last question, I just wanted to say an, an absolute big thanks to you, Jesse, for joining us today and giving us experience, <laughs> sharing all your experience, because you are an inspiration, truly. Um, you're doing some absolutely fantastic things. And if I honestly urge everybody watching and listening to to try and connect with Jesse um, and, and get on to social media and, and look at all the great stuff that you're um publishing around diversity inclusion and um around health and health and safety because it's doing some plastic you're doing some fantastic stuff in that area so i want to just wrap up with the final question um which is what do you think is the most important aspect of leadership
1: yeah i think i'm gonna have several one several aspects so the first one is like i'll say when you're a leader it's admit your errors you know Sometimes you have organization. Uh, they're gonna have like people coming to them, telling them about unlawful behavior, and the first things they're gonna do, they're gonna get an army of lawyers, and they won't listen anymore to the, what the person ha- have to say, even though they're not um, they're not right, you know. So this is what I think, this is not being a leader. If you can't admit your errors, if you can't look at the camera and say, we made that mistake and now we have rectified. And something I've been really good at is when I'm making mistakes, I always say, oh, I did this, I'm gonna repair this. I, I, just, I think this is really important and, and anybody uh, should be able to do that. And, and then it's integrity, you know? It's something that it's one of the core value I have. I just like, if I didn't have uh, integrity, I won't be where I am today because you just like, you can't pursue uh, 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 being visible and pursue being yourself and being authentic without this core value that is integrity. It's something that um, is really deep down to me. And then the last one is emotional intelligence. If you're not able to control your emotion, to, to feel someone's emotion into the room, to, to be able to be empathetic with a woman coming back from maternity leave, who is probably going through the most disruptive moment of her life, and you have body changes, you have all the physiological changes and all the hormones, you have to be self-aware and, 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 and also being able to demonstrate self-control the things that you just can't do, you know, with certain with certain people. So uh, I think maternity, it's really something like a return to work of, of young mother. It's something that should be taken more seriously from a, from a health, mental health perspective. Uh, uh, there really a danger to, to not look after young mom returning from maternity. They just leave the workplace. This is what I did. I just left so uh women need to know their worth if you if you're not treated fairly just move on they're always a better place for you
0: absolutely that's absolutely fantastic and very inspiring so jesse thank you ever so much for your time and thank you for having me <laughs> no, pleasure's all mine thank you so much
1: thank you <laughs>